Many of the popular movements of our day are inspired by calls to justice, equality, inclusivity, and the like. But whose justice? My justice? Your justice? Their justice? Who defines this great line? We all say we want fairness, but is life ever fair? Is God fair? And when it comes down to it, do we even really want fair? Maybe what we really need is mercy. Maybe all we really long for is the touch of grace. Maybe there's something better than fair. So maybe God isn't fair after all. And maybe that's better. Welcome to church this morning. Can we just celebrate being together? This is awesome, man. We are so excited that you are with us today. My name is Josh, and I am one of the pastors here. And, and this is a really special week this week for us as we are launching a fourth gathering, three on Sunday, and you guys are part of that. So can we celebrate that, that four gatherings that over this last last year, year and a half, we've just seen a need to continue to make space for those yet to come. This is awesome that this room is full, but we want to see more people with the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. And that's what Taylor was talking about already this morning, is to invite those friends. We have this saying, you don't have to believe to belong. And what that means is you don't have to believe exactly what we believe to belong in this room with us. You can come with your doubts. You can wrestle with God. You might not even believe God exists today, but you are welcome here with us today to hear about the good news of Jesus. And so I'm glad that you're with us today. I want to welcome everybody watching online. We love you. Thank you for tuning in today and being here with us. But it's a big, it's a big deal. We're excited to be launching our fourth service and, and moving forward with that. But we are also, not only that, but we're kicking off a new series. It's like we're calling it our, our fall kickoff. We got Krispy Kreme donuts out there. If you didn't grab one, if you came in from downstairs, make sure to go grab a Krispy Kreme donut. We're giving away uh, T-shirts to say you don't have to believe to belong. And we're hoping you guys will wear them in the community. And that would cause people to ask questions like, what does that mean you don't have to believe to belong? Because that will draw up some questions. People will see that and wonder. And so I want to encourage you guys to wear those and just be able to talk about how Jesus loves them, where they are at. Because we're all on a spiritual journey. Every person's on a spiritual journey. It doesn't matter if you don't know Jesus yet, if you don't even believe God exists, that's, that's a journey, that's a spiritual journey you're on. Or if you've been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years of your life, we're all on a journey and we're all in different places. God receives us where we come to him. And so we're encouraging you guys to wear those shirts, but we're glad you are here today. I'm excited. We are launching into a brand new series called God's Not Fair. And I'm really excited about this. And I have a question to kind of kick this off. Is who in here, who in here would be willing to admit that you are the fair police? You go around and you make sure everything's fair for the people around you, for your kids, for your family. There's like two hands in the air. I get it. No one wants to admit they're the fair police. Like, that's eh, just an undercover job, Josh. You don't let people know you're the fair police. How many people had a sibling that was the fair police? Let's put it that way. Who'd be willing to admit, yes, my sibling had to make sure that everything was fair. My, my grandma loved her to death. My grandma was the epitome of fair police. In fact, I have two older brothers. Uh, they're quite a bit older than I am. Uh, I like to remind them of that all the time. Um, they're th 12 and 13 years older than me. They're 12 months apart. And when they grew up, my grandma 
would my oldest brother, Troy, she'd buy Troy a gift because that's what grandmas do. They love to buy gifts. And then, of course, you'd have to go buy my next brother's Travis. You'd have to go buy Travis a gift. But Troy's gift may have cost $10, and Travis' gift may have cost like $8.50. And so what she would do is she would give my brothers their gifts, and Troy would open up his gift and like, oh, man, thanks, Grandma. I love it. This is awesome. Travis would open up his gift and be like, oh, thanks, Grandma. I love it. This is awesome. She goes, oh, and here's $1.50 because Troy's gift costs $10, and yours is only $8.50. Like, she was not just the fair police. She was like the chief fair police, right? The chief of police. And, and, and if you've ever had kids or even been around kids, you've probably heard this saying before, but it's not fair. It's not fair. Who's said that before in this room? Every hand should be up. It's not fair. And if you're a parent, of course, the loving, true reaction is, life's not fair. Deal with it. Deal with it. Right? We, we heard this all the time, like, it's not fair, I have to go to bed and they get to stay up, right? It's not fair, I have to do all my homework and they get to play video games. Or what I heard all the time growing up, it's not fair, I didn't get to do that when I was his age. Should have been the youngest. <laughs> it's not fair. But what do we really want when we want fair? Right? Like, what are we really asking for? What are we really saying when we're saying it's not fair? I, I uh, read this actually really fascinating article in Psychology Today about fairness. And, and they're talking about how there's actually many different types of fairness. Like, people mean different things when they say that they want fairness. There's fairness like sameness is what they say. I just want everybody to be the same for everybody. Right? Like, if I go to the movies, I don't care if it's a child, if it's an adult, if it's a senior citizen, we're all paying too much money, okay? Nobody gets a break from that, right? Or that sameness fairness. Or, or, or there's deservedness fairness. Like, well, I get to have more because I deserve more. I worked harder than you did. You didn't work very hard. You don't get very much. I worked very hard, so I get a lot. That's fair in, in deservedness fairness. Or, or, or there's need fairness, where well, my need is greater than your need. I maybe even have some disadvantages. So what you have, you need to give some to me because that's what's fair. And in the article, when they're talking about like what fairness is, they, they use this um, uh, example. And they're saying, just take your average high school in America. Your average high school gets X amount of dollars per student. That's how it works. And so what is fair? Every kid to have the exact same amount of money allotted spent on them? Or, or is it more fair for the gifted kids to get a little bit more money spent on them for their gifted programs because they need to continue to be challenged? Or, or is it more fair for the kids who struggle and maybe have some physical or, or socioeconomical disadvantages to have a little bit more money spent on them because they need a little bit more help? Like, what's fair? And as I read this article, what I realized as I was reading it is people don't want fair. People don't want fair. They want fair for me. Right? That's what we really want. We want fair for me. I've never heard my oldest go, you know what's not fair, Mom? That I get to stay up 30 minutes later than Elias does. Uh, that's not fair. How about I'll just go to bed right now to make things even, right? Like, that would be mind-blowing. <laughs> that's what would be fair. No, like, we don't want fair. We want fair for us. And really what that means is we want what we think we deserve. Right? We want what we think we deserve. My kid is a great student. They're not gifted. They don't struggle. I want same money across the board spent on every kid. 
My kid's gifted, and so I want money spent on the gifted programs. My kid struggles, so I want money spent on the kids who struggle. We don't want fair. We want fair for us. Right? And this looks like in so many different ways. It's like, oh, man, you got a raise? You, you got a raise? You got a raise. All right. I deserve a raise. That's what's fair then. If you got a raise, I better get a raise. Right? It, like, no matter what area of life you look at, we, we, when we say we want fair, really what we mean is we want fair for us. And there's this, actually this moment in Scripture where, where Jesus addresses this. And, and there's this, this moment where Jesus is having this conversation. Uh, the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. Maybe you remember this story. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you haven't. But this super wealthy young man comes to Jesus, and he's like, hey, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, keep the law. And he's like, perfect, I've done that. In fact, I've done it perfectly. I've never broken the law since I was a kid. Now, as Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples, or I'm sorry, with the rich young ruler, the disciples are behind him going like, oh, this guy would be a good asset for our team. Like, he's rich, he's good looking. I added that part, I don't know if he was or not, but, right? He's, he's kept the law so well. This guy is like A-plus material. We're broke, Jesus, so dinner's on him, right? Like, we need him on our team. And Jesus pushes him. He's like, oh, good, you've kept the law, perfect. Now just go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. Now follow me, and you can have eternal life. And it says that the rich young ruler left sad because he didn't want to sell his stuff. But where the story picks up, where I want to pick it up at, is, is the disciples' reaction. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing Why'd you send this guy away? He's varsity material. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're JV, right? Some of us are C team, but we need varsity on this team, Jesus. What are you doing sending him away? And Jesus is like, well, it's, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than, than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And Peter's like, hold on, what are you saying? Then is this even worth it? Isn't there something in this for us? Aren't we following you because there's something in it for us? Like, what are you saying? And, and Peter says this. Is then Peter responded to him. See, he's like, we've left everything to follow you. So what's there going to be for us? Jesus, we've left our jobs. We, we've, we've left our families behind. Like, we've left it all for you. Isn't there anything for us? That's, that's not very fair. And Jesus proceeds to tell the disciples this story. I'm going to read it to you today. It's in Matthew chapter 20. and starts in verse 1 if you want to follow along. This is what Jesus tells him. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers for one denarius, he sent them into the vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, "Go, or You also go into the vineyard, and I will give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out and did the same thing. Then about five, he went and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed they would get more, but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. 
These men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. He replied to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on, on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. I love this story that Jesus tells. He, he basically, he's telling the disciples, look, you don't serve a fair God. You serve a generous God. And there is a major, major difference between a fair God and a generous God. See, when we think about fairness, we think that it's about us getting what we deserved. In the story, like, the guys who worked for the 12-hour shift for a denarius, which was what was custom at the time, a denarius was, was a day's wage that you would make as a laborer. And 12-hour and shifts are what they work. So these guys worked a 12-hour shift. They get a denarius, and, and they agree to it. Like, they're okay with it. They think that they've worked for it, and they deserve it. And, and they have. It's, they've put in the work, and they got their denarius. And, and all of a sudden, they keep seeing people showing up to the field and showing up to the field all day long. And it's amazing. As, when you look at the story, as they all show up to get their pay, the ones who showed up last, who worked that last hour, right, they get a denarius too. And, and the laborers who work the full day, they're fine with the latecomers getting paid. Like at this point, they have no problem with them getting paid. They don't start complaining about things until later on. They see the latecomers getting paid a denarius. In fact, what they start to think is, all right, this is awesome. These guys worked an hour and they're getting paid a, de a denarius an hour? That's amazing wages. What are we going to get paid? Because we clearly have worked longer than them. We deserve more than they get. And they're okay with it and even probably excited about it. And, and the reality is, the truth is, in the story, these guys have earned more than the guys who only worked an hour. Like, no one in their right mind would go, you know what, everybody worked a little bit at least, so everyone deserved the same thing. Right? No one would look at that and go, that's the fair answer in this story. They, they did earn more, but what ends up happening is they witness something. They see these guys getting a, paid a denarius, and then they get paid their denarius, which they agreed upon, which was a fair wage, and something happens they came face to face with generosity. They came face to face with generosity and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. They see an act of generosity and they did not like it because generosity in the face of entitlement feels like unfairness. When I'm entitled and I see somebody else receiving generosity, well, that's not fair. Generosity in the face of entitlement feels like unfairness. In fact, this is what's amazing, is the workers who agreed to work for a denarius, they were happy with receiving a denarius all the way up into the point of witnessing generosity. They worked all day long expecting a denarius, and they were happy with that. They thought that was fair, they thought that was good, that was a good wage for them, and they were happy about it all the way up until the point they saw and witnessed generosity. And then all of a sudden, that wasn't enough. 
And as I studied this scripture, something jumped off the page at me. I mean, hit me right in the face as I was reading this. And it's what the workers were really upset about. What they were really angry about. Did you catch it when, when we read this story? They said, look, this, this isn't fair. We worked the heat of the day. We worked the 12-hour shift. We did all the hard labor. And then this is, their, this is their charge against the landowner. You made them equal to us. You made them equal to us. How dare you? These lazy guys that sat around at the town square doing nothing all day long, and they come and they come to work an hour's worth of work, but the reality is they probably showed up to the field, and they're like, okay, where do you need me? And they're like, oh, we're already cleaning up. And so they just kind of walked around, like, oh, pick up some stuff here. Oh, time to go, right? You made them equal to us. What a charge statement that is. What an accusation that is. What are they really saying? These workers are saying, we have higher value than them. You made them equal to us. We've earned our higher value than them. You made them equal to us. They said, we don't mind them having just as long as we have more because we've earned it. But you've made them equal to us. They do not deserve what I have. You've made them equal to us. And finally, the last one that kind of hit me again when I was doing this study is people think, like, what I have is now cheaper because they have it. You made them equal to us. Have you ever fallen into that mindset? Have you ever fallen into that mindset of you have made them equal to us? Let me ask you, have you ever worked on a group project at school or at work? Then you've fallen into that mindset, right? It's like, no, no, I bust my butt. We're, we're working in this group project at work. We busted our butt. We turned it into the boss, and he's like, hey, good work, everybody. You're not, not quite everybody. Dom here did nothing, right? And the boss is like, I am just proud of all you guys. You guys busted your butts. You worked hard. You're all getting a little bonus and your Christmas bonus this year for this project. And you're thinking, yeah, I deserve a Christmas bonus. Tom literally did nothing. Like, he was nothing. He showed up with coffee, and that was it. And he didn't even get the coffee order right. Come on, Tom. It's two sugars, one cream. How hard is that? Right? You made Tom equal to me. If you're Tom in this room, I'm sorry. That's just a name that popped in my head. I don't know. I assume you're a hard worker. Or maybe you're not. I don't know. <laughs> but have you ever been there? How dare you make them equal to me? Right? You... If you're a student in the room, you've been in a group project before. You're like, yeah, we turned it into the teacher, and Tom over here, he started early, like not participating in group projects. Right? Did, did nothing. How dare you make them equal to me? And, and the reality is, <clears throat> the truth is, this is a dangerous mindset to fall in. And I think it's a real easy mindset, especially for Christians to fall into. I really do. I think this is an area of, if you're a Christian in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is an area of life that can become easy to fall into, right? I have fallen into this mind trap. You know, you're struggling in life. It's like my car's broken down, and my neighbor, who doesn't even acknowledge you exist, who doesn't live a lifestyle anywhere close to what you call us to live, like, 
they just bought two brand new cars. Right? I'm struggling in my job, and they're over here getting pay raises. I, I don't have enough money to go on vacation. I dream about going on a vacation year. They're going on their third trip to Hawaii this year. Like, God, that's not fair. Right? I've done all the good deeds. I show up to church on time. I read my Bible. I pray. I make sure my kids, you know, they're good children. Even if it kills them, I'm going to make sure they're good children. Right? I do all the right things, and yet they're the ones. I have earned this, God. They have not earned it. How could this be? And the truth is, when we believe we've earned it, we believe God owes it. When we believe we've earned it, we believe God owes it. He owes us something. I have worked very hard to get where I'm at in this life. I have done all the right things. God, you owe me. Think about those words. God, you owe me. The God of the universe, the God who spoke it into existence, the fact that you exist right now is a very gift from God. The fact that you are here in this room, that you are alive, Scripture says every single good gift comes from the Father. That is for those who know Jesus and those who don't. Right? The fact that you, the reality in which we live in, this reality that came from the mind of God, that was birthed from the Word of God, that was empowered by the Spirit of God, this reality we sit in in this very moment came completely 100% from God, and yet we think God owes us something. We think we've earned something from God. And this, this, this mindset of fairness comes from this place like, God, you owe me. And we, we think that we're like on a different like plane or playing field or level than other people. Well, God, I've done all these good things. They haven't. I deserve more than them. I'm loving my neighbor. They have done nothing but complain about our neighbor, right? I, I have a leg up on them. I deserve more than them. But what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say about where we stand before God? Every person. In Ephesians 2, Paul is writing this letter, this beautiful letter to the church in Ephesus. And in chapter 2, this is what Paul writes. And he's talking to the church. He says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is where we started. This is the level playing field that we all begin in. Right? Children of wrath, enemies of God, people who followed the spirits of the world, those who were led by Satan is what he's saying. Giving in to whatever you wanted to. Dead in your sins. You weren't alive to do good deeds. You weren't alive to earn anything. You were dead. In fact, in a different book in Romans, Paul writes in chapter 3, he says, look, the entire world, all of humanity, all have sinned. 
All have missed the mark of God's glory. All have missed this standard. And, and the standard that God sets is not just some arbitrary standard because he wants to make it difficult for us. It's actually a standard of holiness and perfection that when we can live that standard, it's actually for our benefit. It's why God gave it to us. It's not to make our lives worse. It was make, to make our lives better. But every human being falls short of it drastically. And because of it, we're dead in our sins. And then in Romans 6, in Romans 6, he says, look, the payment that you deserve, like we want to talk about what I've earned and what I deserve. The payment in what you deserve is death. That is what you deserve for your sin. That is what you deserve for being an enemy of God, a child of wrath, a follower of Satan, like all mankind, right? You are not special in that way. You did not like skip that. Like, ah, I was never an enemy of God's, right? I was never dead in my sin. Uh, maybe I sinned a little bit, but they sinned way more. Like, hey, dead in sin is dead in sin. You're dead or you're not, like, you're not a little bit dead, right? Princess Bride, he's a little bit dead. No, you're dead. <laughs> right? And that's all there is to it. You're dead in your sin. And yet these very next words in Ephesians chapter two, the very next words are some of the best words in scripture. You ready for them? But God. You were dead in your sin, but God. You were a child of wrath, but God. You were an enemy of God's, but God. Right? But God. And what does he say here? Ephesians 2, 4, he says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trans, uh, trans, uh, transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Yeah, by grace, you have been saved. Do you know what grace is? Do you understand what grace is? You know the definition of grace is you getting what you do not deserve. And what do you get that you don't deserve? Being together with Christ. Being made like Christ. Being made alive with Christ. That, I love in Scripture it says that, that you are, if you say yes to Jesus and you surrender your life to him, that you become a child of God. Listen to this. You may have heard this a hundred times. Maybe you're hearing it for the very first time, but you need to hear this. That you are a child of God. That makes you an heir to the throne of God and a co-heir with Christ. Like, what does generosity look like? Generosity looks like you being an enemy of God and him making you a co-heir to the kingdom of God with Christ. Co-heir with Christ. That's incredible. That is, that is incredible. I, I love it. In, in, um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church, and he's like, look, you guys, you need to understand what this means and who you are. You are being made into the image of God's glory. That's what generosity looks like. That the, the struggles that we have and the sin that we have and, 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 and the, the, the fighting that we have to, to follow God or to follow the world, like you are being transformed into the image of God's glory. He says from glory to glory, right? Not from failure to failure, not from you earning it to you earning it, from you, from glory to glory, you're being transformed into the image of God's glory. That's who you are if you're a child of God. That's not fair. That's generosity. That's generosity. 
Ephesians 2 uh, finishes this way, this portion that we're reading. It says, And that you've been raised up with us in him and seated with us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like when we say God's not fair. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us grace. He calls us into his kingdom and makes us his child. I love John chapter one. It's probably one of my all-time favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And I love this portion, this piece of John one. He says, indeed, we have all received, listen to this, grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. See, it's not about fairness. It's about generosity. It's about God going, man, these guys are earning a wage, all right. And the wage that they are earning is death. All of humanity, no one excluded. And generosity looks like Jesus coming to this earth and goes, saying, Father, I will pay that price. I will pay that cost. What they are earning over and over and over again, day in and day out, that wage of death, I will pay it. Generosity is Jesus coming to this earth and him, him taking on the very death that was for you and me. Scripture says that he became our sin. He became, he just didn't like take it on himself. He became our sin. Why? Because God is a generous God. And so that he could raise us up as human beings created by him and seat us in the heavenly places with Christ, co-heirs with him. That is generosity. We don't serve a fair God. We serve a generous God. It's not about doing all the right things. It's not about showing up to church on time. It's not about earning something and every day waking up trying to just do the right thing so God will be happy with you. Just be a good Christian today. Earn, earn it. You can't. That's not what generosity looks like. That's what fairness looks like. Generosity says, God, I don't deserve any of this, but you have put on me grace upon grace. Help me to live out the truth that I am a child of yours, an heir to your throne, a co-heir with Christ, and that I am being transformed daily into the image of your glory. Help me to live that truth out today. Help me to live that reality today. Help me to believe that in my heart. Because if I really believe that, I think I might live just a little bit differently. And it's not because I have to. It's because I'm understanding who I am in you. It's not about fairness. It's about generosity. And at ACF Church, we, we want to give you guys a, an opportunity every day to take action in these areas. Not just to hear a word and go, okay, that was really good, Josh, thanks. And I'm going to go about my day and tomorrow I'm going to forget about it. We have something on your seats 
They're called action steps. They're, they're on a card right there, and you can tear off the bottom. I want to encourage you to grab that action step right now, to look those over. I want to challenge you to fill one of them out. Just to put it, all, all you have to do is to put a check mark by it. And all that's going to happen is fill that information out, put a check mark by your action step. And all that's going to happen is we're going to send you a text later this week that just says, hey, here's what you asked us to remind you about, and we're praying for you. That's it. That's all that's going to happen. But these are the action steps this week. The first one is begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've been trying to earn a relationship with Jesus your whole life. You may have been coming to church your entire life and never received grace upon grace. You've been looking, going, no, I'm earning this, God. You owe me, God. You better not make them like me, God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to earn everything I got from you. But you can't. Or maybe this is the first time you're hearing about what grace actually is. Maybe you've gotten a bad image, an idea, not understanding what it really means to be a child of God. Because, to be honest, sometimes us Christians, we can portray a false narrative, a wrong story that says, you better earn this. We can believe that false narrative, and we can tell that false narrative to the world that doesn't look beautiful, that doesn't look like grace, that looks like something other than generosity. So maybe today you just want to begin that relationship with Jesus. Maybe you need to examine your life. Where are you desiring fairness over generosity? Maybe there's an area of your life you're like going, no, God, I'm still demanding fairness here. This isn't fair. I don't want to see generosity. I want to see fairness. Maybe that's an area of bitterness or something like that in your life. I want to challenge you just to examine your life and ask God to help you work through that. This week I would challenge you to act generous towards someone who doesn't deserve it. Act generous towards someone who doesn't deserve it. If you really feel like they deserve it and like they've earned it, well, now it's not generosity. It's, it's like a wage. Not towards your best friend. Not towards your husband or your wife. Like, act generous towards someone who you really feel doesn't deserve it. Allow that to open your heart and understanding of what it feels like and what it is for God to be generous towards us. And finally, begin each day with the mindset that you are a co-heir with Christ. Maybe you just need to begin every day with that mindset. Not I'm a failure, not I've screwed up so many times, not I have not earned this thing, but no, I am a co-heir with Christ. You fill out those action steps. You can drop them in the baskets on your way out today. I would encourage you to do that. But if you would, go ahead and pray with me now. Jesus, we thank you <laughs> that you are not fair. God, you are generous towards us. God, you give us grace upon grace. And it's something that we have never deserved. Something that we could never earn. Even after knowing you, even after receiving it, God, we can never earn it. And it's never been about earning it. It's been about receiving it. It's literally the only thing we can do. God, I pray that as we receive this grace upon grace, God, I pray that as we receive your generosity, that it would change us from the inside. God, that we would shed the burden of trying to earn your grace. That we would shed the burden of thinking that we deserve something from you. What could the God of the universe possibly owe us? And God, as we walk in that truth and we walk in the reality that we are a child of God, a co-heir with Christ. God, that that good news would transform us and, and just cause us to share it with the world around us, to let them know they don't have to earn their way to God. God, 
You are so good and you are so generous. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.